please and turn to the book of uh, Revelation, Revelation chapter 21 in your Bibles this evening, Revelation chapter number 21. I've got a lot of information that I want to give you tonight, but I think we can do this in just a little bit of time and not keep you super, super long this evening. We've talked about, if you've been a part of our, our series, we've talked about quite a few things. We talked about the place, where is heaven? We talked about that third heaven. We talked about the population, who is heaven for? The paradise, what will heaven be like? The preview, our first day in heaven. And so tonight, I want to talk to you about the passage, our transition to heaven. And so Revelation chapter number 21 in your Bibles, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, why don't we stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word tonight. Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 9. We're just going to read verses 9 through 11 tonight. So I'll tell you what let's do. Why don't we just read it together tonight? We don't do that all the time. And that might be a great thing for us to do. And you sound so good uh, when you read Scripture. Revelation 21 and verse number 9. Let's read it together. Ready? And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. You may be seated tonight. And I want to talk to you about that subject, the passage tonight, the passage. What's it going to be like when we finally close our eyes in death? And uh, I hope we can shed a little, a little light on that tonight. And so, uh, like I said, I'm going to try to sort of stay with it tonight because I know I've got a lot of stuff I want to give you. And I hope it will be a blessing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. We'll jump right into the Bible study tonight. Father, thank you for uh, such a great day. Thank you for your presence, your wonderful presence. Thank you for your spirit, your incredible spirit. And Lord, again, we want to thank you for the, the powerful word of God. And uh, Lord, I appreciate what you did this morning. And Lord, one of the reasons, not, not the only reason, one of the reasons that we're preaching this series is because, Lord, I feel like a lot of people need encouragement right now. Lord, so many people have went through so much in 2020 and 2021. Lord, it seems like uh, we've heard of death, we've heard of discouragement, we've heard of so much sickness. And Lord, I believe that you were leading in this because folks need some encouragement. So I pray tonight that's what it would be. I pray that more than anything, anything, though, that it would glorify the Savior. Father, we need your power tonight. Oh, God, we need the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I pray tonight that you not only fill the pastor, but, God, I pray you'd fill your people. And, Lord, they need that, that as well. And so, Lord, I pray that if there may be one under the sound of my voice here tonight that's lost and without Jesus, I pray tonight would be the night that come to find Christ. Work through the live stream, Father. Maybe there'd be somebody watching tonight that's lost, unsaved. I pray tonight would be the night they'd come to Christ. Father, encourage in a great way. And we thank you. We ask you for your help. And we love you tonight. 
We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. This was a 2015 article from a periodical called The Atlantic, and it was entitled The Science of Near-Death Experiences, and it went something like this. Near-death experiences have gotten a lot of attention lately. The 2014 movie Heaven is for Real about a young boy who told his parents he had visited heaven while he was having emergency surgery grossed a a respectable $91 million in the United States. The book it was based on, published in 2010, has sold some 10 million copies and spent 206 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Two recent books by doctors, Proof of Heaven by Eben Alexander, who writes about a near-death experience he had while in a week-long coma brought on by meningitis, and To Heaven and Back by Mary C. Neal, who had her near-death experience while submerged in a river after a kayaking accident, have spent 94 and 36 weeks, respectively, on that same list, the New York's bestseller list. And so I think the question that we want to answer tonight is, what's it going to be like? Um, uh, these near-death experiences and these things that you hear, you know, are they accurate? Are they, uh, are they lining up with Scripture? And so we want to try, if we can, to, to shed a little light on that subject tonight. What's it going to be like when we finally take our last breath here and our eyes close and physical life ends for us Man, what's that, what's that passage going to be like? What's that transition going to be like? Well, there are some, and even some in religious circles, <clears throat> who believe that death doesn't necessarily mean heaven. And there are some out there who teach something called soul sleep, which basically says this, when a person dies, their soul goes into a state of eternal sleep or rest until the day when there's a big universal judgment where all souls are awakened to stand before God. So someone says, Pastor, is that true? Well, you know, I'm mindful of Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse number 1, where the writer said, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. So that tells us that the day of death is actually better than the day of one's birth. I thought about what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 21. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, but if I live in the flesh, that is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. Paul said, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. Listen to this, which is far better. I thought about what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 116, verse number 15, where it said, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I have a hard time believing that the Holy Spirit would have inspired that scripture if when you and I die, we're going to stay asleep for a thousand years. So I believe this. I believe that to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord So what are we we going to experience at the point of death? What's that transition from earth to heaven? What's it going to be like? Somebody said that everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. And there's a lot of truth in that too, isn't there? 
You know, I thought about, and you've heard this little story, but I thought about that story, you know, where the pastor was up in front of his congregation one night, man, he was just getting with it. And he stopped and he said, he said, man, he said, how many want to go to heaven? Raise your hand. How many want to go to heaven? And just about everybody raised their hand in the congregation, except one little boy right down on the front row. And he saw that little boy didn't raise his hand. And so he thought, well, he, he didn't understand what I said, so I'll hit that one more time. He said, how many are ready to go to heaven? Raise your hand. And boy, everybody shot their hand except that one little boy. And finally, the preacher said to that little guy, he said, don't you want to go to heaven? He said, yeah, I want to go to heaven, but I thought you was getting a trip to go up right now. <laughs> How's the transition going to be? How about this? Are we going to be scared? Is there going to be fear? You know, we often, wonder about our, we often wonder about our saved loved ones when they pass away. What did they feel? Were they terrified? I think I can safely tell you tonight they were not terrified. Is it to, you know, should we face that day with dread? If you're lost, you should. If you don't know Christ, you should. If, you've never, if you have never been born again by the grace of God, yes, you ought to be fearful of death. Because you see, the, the truth is, we're not promised another breath. And uh, you, may, you may make it home tonight, you may not make it home tonight. But if you're here tonight and you're born again, you don't have to face that day with dread. Some say, well, are we going to preach or are we going to see bright lights? Is it going to be a long tunnel and at the end of that tunnel is a bright light and, and we're, we're being you know, almost magnetized to that bright light at the end of the tunnel, preacher? Will we hear voices, preacher? Will there, will there be music? What's that, what's, what's that passage? What's it going to be like? Let me see if I can shed a little light on that subject tonight, if I could. How about this? Number one, I want you to understand that the transition or the passage will not be random. It'll not be random. Take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn over to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 9, and look at verse number 27. I'm going to have you turn to a few places tonight, so keep your Bibles handy and open, if you would, because it's good for our eyes to see some of these verses that we're going to bring out tonight. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 27. This, this passage, this transition, will not be a random passage. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9 in verse number 27, uh, the Bible says this, and as, look at the next three words, it is what? It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So that tells me this, that your passage or your transition will not be an accident. Your transition will be an absolute appointment ordained by Almighty God. If, listen, if something happens, it's because God allows it to happen. Now, you say, well, wait a minute, preacher. I know somebody, and they were saved, and, and they, they were tragically killed in a car wreck. I get that. But, uh, but if it happens, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That even has to do with death. Now, let me show you something that's pretty interesting. Take your Bibles and turn way back to your Old Testament. And look, look, look if you will, in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And let me show, show you something that's just sort of neat. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse number 14. And notice what the preacher says in this wonderful book, Ecclesiastes chapter three and verse number 14. And this, I think this will help you. I think this is gonna help somebody tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter three and verse number 14. And the Bible says this, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. 
Nothing can be put to it nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. Now look at verse 15, Calvary. The Bible says, that which hath been is now. And that which is to be hath already been. And God requireth that which is past. And someone says, what in the world, preacher, is the Bible talking about? Let's read it again. Verse 15, that which hath been is now. And that which is to be hath already been. And God requireth that which is past. Did you know tonight, Calvary, that God doesn't work in our in our little time schedule. In fact, I'm going to blow your mind. God doesn't even work in our time realm. Listen to this. God works in the forever. Now, let me, let me give you something. Maybe you've thought about it, maybe you haven't. You know what that means? God has already seen your death. He knows exactly when you're going. He knows exactly how you're going. It's a point in time. He's already got it planned out. He knows how it's going to happen. He knows when it's going to happen. He knows where it's going to happen. It is a perfect plan of God. It is the, what we call the sovereignty of God, the providence of God. And, and you, you say, well, preacher, why are you bringing that out? Because if that be the case, and it is, if God already sees the, 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 the future and the future is like the past to him, he knows exactly when I'm going out. He knows exactly when I'm going to close my eyes in death. He knows exactly when I'm going to take my, uh, take my last breath. Then here's, here's what I want to say to you tonight. Why worry? <laughs> why, why worry about it? If God knows, then I don't have to worry about it. But it tells me something else. Since we don't know what our appointment is, we better live for Christ while we can. The psalmist said in Psalm 90, verse number 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Listen, I know, and, and I remember what it was like to be a young person and to think that you've got your whole life in front of you, and I hope that you do, but I want you to understand that after, after pastoring for 30 years and after preaching funeral after funeral after funeral, one of the things that I have learned is this, that life is incredibly fragile. And you think you'll be here, but you don't know you'll be here. And it doesn't matter how old you are, and it doesn't matter how young you are, and it doesn't matter how rich or how poor or where you come from or what your background is. I'm telling you, there is an appointed time when you and I are going to meet with Almighty God. And if that be the case, we better be ready. We better be ready. So understand that that passage or that transition will not be a random transition quickly because I got five things I want to give you tonight. Number two, the transition will be real. One article said this. It said that heaven and hell are simply states of mind. And both those states are existing right here on the earth. But I want you to understand something that heaven is for real. And somebody says, preacher, how can you be so sure? I mean, how can you be so sure that that there is a life after this life. Let me tell you several ways. Number one, we accept it by faith. Now, if you're in Hebrews, I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 11 and look at verse number one. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number one tonight. And the Bible says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, look at this, the evidence of things not seen. You're in Hebrews chapter 11, skip down to verse number six. 
And uh, Paul says this in verse six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You say, pastor, how are you so sure that there's a heaven that we're gonna go to? Listen, I know that there is a heaven because I accept it by faith. Now, some use the excuse, this is the excuse they use. Well, preacher, you see, but I'm a, I'm a show me kind of guy. And if I can't see it, I won't believe it. Have you ever seen heaven, they say? So we were talking about sharing your faith this morning and persecution and all that kind of thing. Uh, many, many years ago, we were uh, visiting down here on Sloan's Mill. It's been many years ago now. And we knocked on a door and went in the house and began to talk to this family and invite them to church. And I began to share the gospel with them. And, and I asked this uh, the gentleman, it's he and his wife, and they were uh, older, older folks. And, and I said to him, I said, sir, I said, if you died today, do you know for sure you go to heaven? And he said to me, preacher, how do you know there's a heaven? And I'm pretty sure I said something like this. I, it had been a long, long time ago, but I said, well, I, I believe it by faith. And he said, have you ever seen heaven? I said, no, sir, I've never seen heaven. Have you ever been to heaven? I said, no, sir, I've never been to heaven. Have you ex ever experienced heaven? I said, no, sir, I've never experienced. He said, then how do you know you've never seen it? How do you know there is one? I don't even necessarily know why I said this, but I asked this gentleman, I just went right back and I said, sir, can I ask you a question? He said, yes. I said, have you ever seen your brain? He said, do what? I said, have you ever seen your brain? Well, no, I've never seen your brain. I said, have you ever held your brain? Have you ever touched your brain? Well, no. I said, how do we know you have a brain? You know what, we just accept it. We accept it by faith. Hey, church, for, for, for those people that you talk to and they say, well, if I can't see it, I'm not gonna believe it. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you saw wind? Oh, you say, yeah, preacher, I saw it this week. No, you didn't see it. You saw the effects of it. We saw the effects of it in Kentucky. We saw what wind can do. We saw what strong wind can do, but you didn't see the wind. But you guarantee this, it was there. Uh, and we, we saw the effects of it. We know it's real because God tells us that it's real. You can't see gravity. But if you step out of a plane at 35,000 feet, you'll believe it's real. You say, well, if I step out at 35,000 feet, I'm gonna have a parachute. You'll still believe it's real. Because you're not going up, you're going down. When's the last time Listen, that you were able to see your Wi-Fi working. You say, preach, I can't see it. That's right, you can't see it, but it works. You see, we accept it by faith. Number two, I wrote this down. We've acknowledged it in God's word. The Bible says in John 14, 1, let not, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house are many mansions. And Jesus said, if it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. So we accept it by faith. We have it acknowledged in God's word. But then we have what we call the agreement of witnesses. What do you mean, pastor? Paul spoke of heaven in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And then John spoke of heaven in Revelation chapter 4. And Peter spoke of heaven 
In 2 Peter chapter 1, by the way, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. And so I'm just telling you, it's real. It's real. And by the way, for that matter, hell is real. Hell is just as real as heaven. And people say, well, uh, preacher, I don't believe that. You will be a believer. You will be a believer. One second after you close your eyes here, you'll be, listen, you'll, you'll be the most devout believer that's ever been. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Eternity is real. And so this transition won't be random. This transition will be real. How about this? This transition for some will be, thank God, it'll be the rapture. Did you know that not, not every child of God's going to experience death? Brother Mays used to say, I'm looking for the, under, the, the upper taker, not the undertaker. I love this little statement. Somebody said, sadness is looking back. Worry is looking around. But hope is looking up. Now, if the Lord doesn't tarry his coming, there's a very good chance that some of you folks, you're going up through the rapture. I thought about Enoch over in, in uh, Genesis chapter 5. The Bible says that Enoch was translated. He's a picture of the New Testament church being raptured out. And Enoch never suffered death. The Bible says that he walked with God and he was not. The Bible says for God took him. I thought about Elijah over in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Elijah did not necessarily see death. He was caught up into heaven with a chariot of fire, an angelic escort. And our Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that the rapture of the church is going to take place. This idea that there's just going to be one general judgment day and, and that when we die, we're going to go into a, a, an eternal sleep. And then at the very end of time, God will resurrect all the bodies and we'll come before the Lord with one general resurrection. There's only one problem with that teaching. It's not scriptural. It's not scriptural. There is a rapture, and the Bible says in the rapture of the church that we will be caught away, harpazo. We're going to be snatched. We're going to be snatched away. It will happen before you can do anything about it. It'll be over with before you can come to the church house. It'll be over before you can call the preacher up and say, preacher, tell me how to get saved. It'll happen that fast. The rapture of the church. And so this passage for some is going to be, it's going to be, the rapture. How about this quickly? Number four, this transition will be rapid. You say, preacher, what's it going to be like when we make that transition to heaven? Will it be a long, drawn-out ordeal? As I mentioned earlier, is it going to be slowly moving through this long tunnel that seems unending towards some type of a bright light? Pastor, will I go into some kind of an unconscious state for hundreds and hundreds of years waiting for, for a judgment? I thought about when my wife and I went to Israel and we left Raleigh, North Carolina and we flew to, uh, to uh, JFK there in, in New York City and then we got on another plane and then when we left New York City, 15 hours it took us, 15 hours it took us to get to Israel. Long, boy, long flight. The last time my wife and I traveled to California, just the way it worked out, Brother Brandon, bless his heart, Brother Brandon picks us up at 10 minutes after 3 in the morning, took us down to the airport, and, and uh, we got through all the security, and 
uh, finally caught our flight and, and made a connection and uh, ended up in Los Angeles and, and then went through the day with them. And honestly, by the time our heads hit the pillows, we'd been up for 24 hours straight without going to sleep. You say, preacher, is that passage going to be like that? Is it going to be long and drawn out? And let me share some scriptures with you that I think will help you tonight. Look at Psalm chapter 90 and verse number 10. This is a blessing. Psalm chapter 90 and verse number 10. What's that passage going to be like? Psalm chapter 90 and verse number 10. The Bible says this, the days of our years are threescore years and 10. And if by reason of strength, they may be fourscore years Yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow. Look at this. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. You don't have to turn now. I'll just read this one for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 4 says it like this. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Hey, church, let me ask you a question. How long does it take to swallow? Just that that fast. And the Bible seems to imply that that's how fast our passage will be to heaven. In fact, verse number eight of the same chapter says it like this. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And I believe that when someone passes away, they are instantaneously with Christ. They're not in some type of an eternal sleep for thousands and thousands of years. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If you go to Revelation chapter 4, you don't have to necessarily turn there, but in Revelation chapter 4, we find out that when the apostle John was transitioned to heaven, it was immediate. John said, and immediately, and immediately, I was in the spirit. I thought about the the, uh, beggar. In Luke chapter number 16, the beggar died, the Bible says. In fact, in verse 22 of Luke 16, it says, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments. It was immediate. I thought about the transition of the rapture that I just mentioned. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, which I used this week at a funeral, says it like this. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. It means a stroke or a beat, in a heartbeat. The Bible says that we will be changed from natural into supernatural. I thought about over in Acts chapter one when the Lord Jesus Christ himself ascended back to heaven. It was immediate in nature. Acts one verse nine says it like this. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now again, I'm just saying this. Say, preacher, what's it gonna be like when we close our eyes in death? When I take my last breath, is it gonna be a long drawn out thing? I don't think so. I think to be absent, the body is going to be present with the Lord. And when you close your eyes here, you'll open your eyes there. And the songwriter said it like this, Brother Mike, here's your next one. But just think, 
of stepping on shore and finding it heaven, of touching a hand and finding it God's, of breathing new air and finding it celestial, of waking up in glory and finding it home. That's how the transition's gonna be. And last of all tonight, let me give you this thought and we're done. The transition will include a reception. Now I looked up that word reception this week and the word reception means this, a social gathering often for the purpose of extending a formal welcome. Let me tell you what I believe tonight. I believe I can back it up from scripture. I believe for the child of God, death will not be scary at all. In fact, personally, I believe this. I believe there'll be no fear for the child of God when death comes. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 23 and verse number four. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Listen, when we finally make that passage to heaven, that passage is gonna include a reception. A reception. Now, again, don't forget the, type, the definition, a social gathering often for the purpose of extending a formal welcome. You say, preacher, has that ever happened? It did happen in Acts chapter seven. The Bible says that Stephen, Deacon, uh, the deacon Stephen was preaching and man, he was preaching the crucifixion of Christ and boy, he made that crowd so mad. And the Bible says they ran upon him and they gnashed on him with their teeth. And the Bible says they stoned him. And the Bible says this about Stephen in Acts chapter number seven and verse, verse number 55. But he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. By the way, if you study that out, pretty much every other passage in the Bible, you'll always find Jesus Christ seated. And yet when the Bible says when the heavens were open and when Stephen was about to make his passage into that wonderful land, the Bible says that Stephen looked up and saw the Lord Jesus Christ standing up and I've got to believe this, that the Lord Jesus Christ was welcoming him in. Oh, listen, I'm just saying this. You say, preacher, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I think I know some folks. And, and they say, preacher, I'm so scared of death. Well, let me ask you a question. Are you saved? You say, I'm saved. Then you don't have anything to fear. You don't have not one thing to fear. Listen, when, when that time comes, it'll, be, it'll come with a, a reception. I believe this too. I believe that the angels will assist in that transition. Dr. David, David Jeremiah said this. He said that angels are heavenly ushers. Our ushers do a great job here at Calvary. And he said that angels are likened to heavenly ushers you say, Pastor, any scripture to back that up? Well, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits? Sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. How many remember the story in Genesis chapter 19 when Lot and his family were living in Sodom and Gomorrah? By the way, I believe that Lot and his family are probably a picture of the church. Here's a family that's living in a very wicked, wicked society. And the Bible says that God sent his angels and those angels came, and literally, physically, the Bible says that they escorted Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah, and their life was spared. I mentioned Elijah just a moment ago. When Elijah went up, the Bible says he went up by a chariot of fire. Somebody says, a chariot of fire? 
What is a chariot of fire? There's no doubt about this, church. Study it out for yourself. That chariot of fire speaks of angels. There were angels that escorted Elijah into the presence of God. I thought about John the Revelator over in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, Revelation chapter 17, Revelation chapter 21, and often John is escorted with the help of an angel as he's given his revelation in heaven. And I mentioned that beggar in Luke chapter 16 a while ago. Listen to Luke chapter 16, verse number 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Now, we're done. But you say, preacher, what is that about? What, what's that all about? Well, we have something we started a number of years here at our church called our hospitality team. And basically, our hospitality team stays at the doors, and they, as, as folks come in, <clears throat> their job is to meet and greet and welcome. My wife and I went to a church the other day. We visited a church the other day, and I'm sure it was a good church. I'm sure it was a good church. But I don't think, I don't think one solitary person welcomed us in. And we sort of walked in and found our own seat. And, and uh, you know, the thing I love about Calvary is that uh, when you come, you're made to feel welcome. And that's what our hospitality team does. They'll be at the doors and, and uh, folks come in and they shake hands and they show people where the restrooms are and show people where the nurseries are. And, and, uh, and we all know how awkward that can be when you go to a new place and you don't really know your way around. And that's why our hospitality team comes in. They meet and greet and then they show folks, listen, this is our nursery. This is our restroom. This is our sanctuary. And they, they, they help take the awkwardness out of the, out of the uh, visit. You know what I believe? I believe that when we close our eyes in death, that God Almighty is going to send his glorified hospitality team. And they're going to come to get us. And they're going to, they're going to usher us right into the presence of God. And I don't know this is going to happen, but I've just got a feeling it is. They're going to say, hey, let me, let me show you to the gate. Let me show you what this is. Let me show you this person. And they're going to, they're going to take care of us. And they're going to be... Uh, they're going to help us with that heavenly reception. Richard Baxter said it like this, my knowledge of that life is small. The eye of faith is dim, but it's enough that Christ knows all and I shall be with him. C.S. Lewis, I love it. I've given you this statement before, but C.S. Lewis said this, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And I don't know about y'all, but I was made for another world. Old story. A widely respected man known as Uncle Johnson died in Michigan at the incredible age of 120 years old. Perhaps his advanced years could be credited in part to the cheerful outlook that characterized his life. One day while, while at work in his garden, he was singing songs of praise to God and his pastor came by and looked over the fence and called, Uncle Johnson, you seem very happy today. And he responded, yes, I was just thinking. Thinking about what, questioned the pastor. And I've got this big and bold in my outline. This is what he said. Oh, I was just thinking that if the crumbs of joy that fall from the master's table in this world are so good, what will the great loaf in glory be like? 
I heard something this week I've, I've never heard before, and I love B.R. Lakin. I love his preaching. And somebody, somebody said this week, B.R. Lakin said that, that heaven, we, when we think about heaven, we often think about heaven being a glorified earth. And Dr. Lakin said, nothing could be further from the truth. Heaven will not be a glorified earth. Heaven is going to be so far removed from what earth is all about. And so how many know that there's a, there's a lot of wonderful, beautiful places that you can visit on earth that even with the curse, they're beautiful. If that be the case, and it is, can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? Now I would just ask you a question. Are you ready? Do you know that you know that you know that you're on your way to heaven? Because just as real as heaven is, hell is likewise real. And you know what would re be really, really bad is to come to a service like this and to hear about heaven and then die without Christ and go to hell. That'd be terrible. And if you're here tonight, you don't know Christ as Savior, I want to encourage you tonight to come and give your life to Jesus would you bow your heads with us all over the house tonight? Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll take this attempt at just giving your folks some truth, and I pray that you'll use it. Lord, some in our church here in the last two years have lost some very precious folks to them. But Lord, it helps us, though, to know that when our loved ones closed their eyes in death, there was not one solitary ounce of fear. No trepidation. Lord, when that loved one closed their eyes here and took their last breath here, the heavenly hospitality team took over and began to escort them, comfort them in the presence of God. Father, I pray somehow that you'll use this uh, message tonight to speak to someone's heart, to encourage someone. Lord, if nothing else, I pray that you would uh, assure us that are saved that, boy, it sure is good to be saved tonight. It sure is good to know that we're on our way to heaven. But Father, maybe there's someone here this evening. And Lord, if the truth were to be known, they don't know that they know that they know that they're saved, born again, on their way to heaven. And Father, if that be the case, I pray tonight that you'd help them to come. And Father, we'd love to help them with that. So Lord, work in this invitation. Lord, maybe there's someone here tonight that needs to rededicate their life to Christ. Lord, you said teach us to number our days. We don't know how many days we've got left. And so we better serve while we can. And God, maybe someone tonight needs to come and rededicate their life to Christ Jesus. Maybe someone's been saved, but they've not followed in baptism, and tonight they need to come and make themselves a candidate for baptism. Maybe someone needs to join the church. Lord, it could be a number of things, but I pray that you'll work in this invitation. Speak to hearts, I pray. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a question. How many here tonight would say, preacher, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I, there was a time. I can take you back to the time and the place. And there's not a doubt 
Preacher, I, I can tell you, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I died, I'd go straight to heaven. Now, without anybody looking, without anybody looking, if that's you, would you just slip your hand up right now? Preacher, I know it. I know it. That's wonderful. You can lower your hands. How about this, though? Is there one anywhere who would say, Pastor, if I died, I'm sure I want to go, but I'm just not sure I would go. I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? And you'd slip your hand up, let me pray for you tonight. Could I pray for you? Is there one anywhere tonight? Preacher, would you remember me? Would you pray for me tonight? Is there one anywhere? I appreciate that hand. Is there another? Preacher, if I died tonight, I am not sure that I'm going. I want to go, but I'm not sure about it. I want you to pray for me. Right now, you'd slip your hand up. Is there another anywhere? Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Oh, I want to tell you something. Just as much as you want to be there, he wants you there. He wants you in heaven with him. Would you do us a favor? Would you stand all over the house tonight? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask our personal workers if they would just very quietly make their way to the altar tonight. And if you're here tonight and you have a need, any kind of a need at all tonight, listen, I'm going to ask you to come. Say, Pastor, it's a little scary. Listen, if you'll take the first step, God will help you with the second one. I, I can promise you this. It would be the greatest decision you've ever made. No doubt about that. So, Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, for those who need to make decisions tonight, that, Father, you'd work in their hearts and their lives this evening. I pray especially for this one that's raised their hand about salvation. Father, I pray you'd help them to realize how much you love them, how much you care for them. And, God, tonight I pray they'd get it nailed down once and for all. Father, give them courage to come and to get saved tonight. And then, Lord, maybe there are Christians here tonight And they have loved ones that are very near and dear to them. But, Lord, it at least appears that they're lost and without Jesus. Maybe tonight folks would come and just bring their name to the altar and pray for family members and lost loved ones. Father, we're we're, we're getting ready to come into the Christmas time and we're going to be with people that we don't normally see. And we're going to be visiting with family and friends. God, if there's ever been a time we need to let our light shine, it's right now. And so, Father, tonight, I pray that we'd pray for our lost loved ones. God, have your way in this invitation. Oh, God, do that which only you can do tonight. Save the lost. Encourage the saved. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here tonight and you have a need, would you do this? Would you just step out right now? Would you step out? You say, Preacher, these uh, aisles, they seem like they're about three miles long. I get it. I get it. But listen, if you'll come tonight, we'll have somebody meet you and greet you and pray with you. That's right. That's right. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come tonight? Just come on. If God's dealing with your heart, would you come? If you raised your hand tonight and said, Pastor, I am sure I want to go, but I'm not sure I would go. Would you come tonight? Would you let us, would you let us take a moment and just show you from the Bible how you can know that you know that you're going? Well, heaven's a Heaven would be a terrible place to miss. Would you come? Would you come? While folks are moving, now's a good time. Would you come? Come on. Come on. 
Father, would you give them, would you give them help tonight? Lord, would you give them boldness and courage? Father, would you help them, Lord, not to allow the devil to, to hinder? Father, I pray tonight you'd help folks to come. Lord, it could be tonight, and this often is the case, it could be that you've spoken to someone's heart about something I wasn't even preaching about tonight. Lord, tonight, while I was preaching about heaven, Lord, you could have been speaking to someone about a decision that needs to be made, or maybe you're calling somebody to preach, or God, maybe someone needs to surrender to missions, or Father, it could be a lot of things. God, tonight, I pray you'd help them to make a move for God. Lord, please work. Please, please work. And we sure thank you in Jesus' name. Would you come tonight while we wait? Folks are getting some help.